Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Bookable Space, the audio literary salon. I'm your host, Yvonne Battlefelton. Today, we're joined by Sandra Coffey. Sandra will be reading to us from and talking to us about her book, Breaking into the Media, A Journalist's Guide to Publicity. Sandra, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Yvonne. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. So can you please tell us a bit about the book and what led you to write it? Yeah, sure. I've been a journalist for well over 15 years, well, 17 years to be exact. And all during this time, I I began as a junior reporter and then worked my way up the ranks to become an editor in one of the final positions I was in before I went into PR. And during this time, I often got people contacting me and asking me various questions about, you know, how do I get publicity? How do I get my name out there? And I didn't really have the time to answer all the queries that I used to get. And then I used to get press releases and emails in that just, first of all, wouldn't be for me and the the stuff that I write. Or sometimes they would have addressed it to a colleague in a competitor newspaper, or they would have got my name totally wrong. And there was just, these are just basic mistakes. But the amount of times I saw these mistakes it just started to, you know, it just became like a repeated thing that I used to see. And I just thought these people actually do need someone to tell them from a journalist's perspective how to get a journalist's attention and how to get publicity. And that was kind of the seed for the book, really, was sitting in newsrooms for as long as I have been and pulling back the curtain and saying, look, this is how we operate. This is how we work. This is what you need to do in order to get my attention or in order to get another journalist's attention that can help you get your name out there. So that's I kind of the seed of the book. I love that because I feel like so many times you see people on, especially on social media, and you can see that they're clearly frustrated or offended or both by people either getting their names wrong or getting the wrong publication or not seeming to take it. Oh, yeah. And journalists do take offense to it big time. Uh, See, I thought so, but I'm glad to know that, yes, that's actually true. And so I like that your approach to it was, I mean, you could either be frustrated by it and continue to be frustrated, or you could do something about it. And it seems that you decided to do something about it. So... Yeah, because there are very easy things that people can do that can actually win over the attention of a journalist. Oftentimes people think it's this, I need to be doing something amazing. I need to be already well known. I need to be so many things before any journalist will take me seriously. But that is not the case. That's what people think. A lot of people think that. But from my perspective and where I have sat for a long time, And a lot of the stories that I found the most interesting and that got the most attention were from just ordinary people that had that were willing to tell their story, not in a very salesy way, but in a more human interest way, in a personal way. And they're the stories that I still remember to this day. They're not the big celeb interviews that I would have done. Like it's the story in a kitchen with someone who's just lost their daughter to a disease and they're willing to open up their door, let me in and and we have a chat about it and I write a piece about it. And they're the stories that resonate with other people because they can see themselves in that person or they can relate to it. So you don't need to be somebody super special in order to 
get publicity. If you're willing to tell your story in an interesting way, then you've already done a lot more than what most people do initially. I love that. Could we hear a bit from the book, please? Yeah, sure, of course. So I'm going to read, the first piece I'm going to read is from an early part of the book. Um, The chapter is called Getting to the Start Blocks, because from my dealings with PR clients, they actually have no idea where to begin. And that's what stops them in their tracks. They just have absolutely no idea. So I'm just taking a little snippet from this chapter just to kind of give you some idea. Maybe it might help people that that are kind of interested in getting started. So this section is called Your Angle. You've probably heard this many times. What's the angle? In terms of media publicity, the angle is your way in, your way of grabbing the first initial interest of the journalist you sent your story pitch to. Every story needs an angle, a point of interest, something that touches people. If a pitch is overly salesy, any decent journalist will look at it and ask, well, where is the story here? What can I do with this? And that is when they may, at best, give a short amount of his or her pressurized time in a newsroom to consider news angles based on what you've sent in. But they just might as easily delete it. And just like that, your story pitch gets binned. And this is why you should offer a story and not a sales pitch. Okay, this can be hard to do, especially if you are new to this. So this is my biggest tip in relation to getting your angle. Try and make your story about the reader and about how your story can help them to do something useful, prevent them from making a mistake, or if it informs them of something coming in the future, for example, a new product or service that helps them, a trend in your area, or something you feel should be adopted by a government or a government agency. So my advice is to make the reader, your target audience member, if you want to use those terms, the star of your pitch or press release. And if you do this, you stand a much greater chance of getting featured. So take you and your company out of the leading role and put your reader or listener in there instead. And you will quickly find that you are writing a completely different story pitch, one that has an element of news to it and one that will interest a journalist. All a journalist cares about at the end of the day is their audience. Speak to their audience and you've got the journalist's attention. Speak to them and you will start to see interest in your business grow and new clients knocking on your door. So how do I know if I have a story to tell? Well, not everything you've ever done or are going to do in your business or life is a story. So let's get that straight first. It is about knowing when it is and how to write it. So it lands on a reporter's desk as a story that they actually want to write and talk to you about. So my first piece of advice is to step back from your product, service, or business, and ask yourself, why did you start this in the first place? So these are specific questions that I encourage you to ask yourself about your business idea. Did it come from a personal experience that you had or a business experience you had with another company? Did it come from a time when you were unemployed? Did you hate your job and want to give yourself another option? Did you read an article in a newspaper which sowed the seed of your business idea? And I just have a little note in brackets here that if you actually have this article, 
and you use this in your pitch, this can be a really excellent way of getting attention, especially if you pitch it to the newspaper that you actually want to get into. So where were you when this idea happened? Were you on holidays? Were you on a beach? Were you at home? Or did it come to you while you were just kind of sitting around relaxing, watching something on Netflix or talking to a friend? So basically what I want you to do is kind of just sit down and ask yourself, why did you start this in the first place? Like go back to the beginning. So I just have another little piece that I wouldn't mind reading. It's about, you know, how to place your story in a certain, what I call story boxes, because yes, you have a story and you might have, it might've come from a personal experience that transformed you in a way, but how do you actually frame this story? So what I tend to do is I try and put them into different story boxes. So it helps the reader write the the press release or pitch. So these are what I call story boxes. So these are my four distinct story boxes. So the first one is transformational. So this would be if you want to frame your story from how you went from point A to point B. This is the before and after type story. And this remains a hugely popular way of telling any type of story. And you'll see lots of these in the media. You'll actually will most likely have read many of these. Another story box is a quick growth story box. So this is when you applied a new technique or upgraded an old one and your business grew like crazy overnight. So this story would include tactics and tools you used in order to have this quick growth so you can share it with other readers. Um, A turnaround type of story or story box. This is where you brought your business back from the brink of disaster or you faced a crucial point in your business and you had to decide whether it was make or break. So this kind of story is where you thought you couldn't do it, but then you made certain sacrifices, you made some changes, you jumped some hurdles and you ended up making it work. And then the last story box is a discovery. So let's say you figured out something and it had an amazing impact on your business and you want to share this with others. So you would pitch it in such a way to a journalist that I discovered this and you might have discovered it through another influencer or through someone else in your business. And you would share those details just to give context. And this discovery can make a huge difference in the lives of others that read it. And if it saves them time, if it saves them money, if it helps them make money, then it's of interest to the journalist because it is of interest to their audience. So that's the first piece. Oh, you know what? I feel like it's so empowering, the tips and just thinking about the different ways, the different stories that we have and the different ways that we might be able to connect with the audience and with the um, with the journalist that we're pitching to. And so I wanted to know, so it's a guide full of practical tips. Yes, that it's not academic. No. And I love that. I love that it's like, um, these are things that you can do right now. And mm-hmm. because sometimes when it seems so far in the future, it seems like it's like the theory of, publicity or the theory of, you know, what you can do. But I love that it's a practical guide. And so I'm curious about why it's important for businesses. And when I'm saying businesses, I'm also including authors, because I think so many times we're expecting someone else to do the publicity and not necessarily realizing that you are your PR person. So why is it important for businesses to own this narrative and take publicity into their own hands? It's super important to be able to do this for yourself, even in a small way, because, you know, you're your best advocate, you know, your story the best. 
you know, you can pass it to a PR agent and I am one, so <laughs> I'm giving away business here. But uh, <laughs> but when I work with the clients, I try and get them to do, we work together. I don't just do it for them because I believe that when they go off to do other things down the road or if they work with a charity, or if they want to work with another writer on a collaboration, that they have the basic tools that they can go back to and go, right, we need to hit certain publications. We need to get our press release ready. We need to get what our stories are. We need to put a plan in place. And now I don't want to use the word plan because oftentimes I know writers, they're already planning novels and they're planning all these other things. Like now you want me to plan publicity. (laughs) But what I would encourage people to do is when they are planning, say, publicity around their book is to look at the timings because when I've worked with writers before and they have picked a time out of thin air Let's say it's a book about in relation to Halloween. Let's say because Halloween is coming up very soon. And they've decided to launch it in like April or May. And I'm like, well, you might get better traction if you launch it closer to Halloween because journalists are hungry for stories about Halloween. Mm. And you stand a better chance of trying to link in with something that's already existing. So like basic things like say, okay, Christmas is absolutely crowded. And I often tell anyone that wants PR advice that you need to be super on your game in order to get publicity at Christmas. And you need to be starting in like September, September at the very latest. But to be able to do it yourself is just so empowering. And, you know, oftentimes journalists love it when they get an email pitch or a press release from the writer themselves. They go straight to the source. Mm -hmm. And if you can give them some elements of your life and why you wrote the book and why it's of interest, you know, they they really kind of admire that you've taken the time to put this pitch together and that you've done it yourself because journalists are so used to dealing with PR people. And if you just go directly to them and try and, you know, pitch in a story that's not very salesy, that's not selling the book up front, of course you're trying to sell the book. No one is, you know, hiding that fact but you need to have some kind of an angle in order to get the book in front of the journalist and that makes them want to connect with you. So that's why I always get people to look at their, their reasons why, you know, their experiences and try and really dive into that and let's find an angle there. And then let's try and link that to the book because journalists definitely ones that work in the, the arts they are bombarded with books all the time. I mean, I did do some time on, on an arts desk and the amount of books that would be just piled up so high from the floor. And it's like, who's going to get to read this? And oftentimes the press release is Sandra Coffey is launching a book. That's the, you know, that's the first line. The book is called this, it's, you know, this is where it's going to be on sale. She's having a launch. There'll be wine and finger food, yada, yada, yada. There's millions of them. You need to just kind of, and you know your own personal story the best, and you're you know what you're comfortable with telling. So if you try and just kind of go, okay, well, what are the personal reasons behind why I wrote this? Who do I think it will help? And especially if it was in nonfiction, that's probably easier to find. But I think when you tap into the person that you want, that you think this book will really help, and work back from there, I think you'll definitely find a lot of story angles that will help you to stand out as opposed to I am launching a book because that's not really going to help you. I don't think these days anyway. 
That's wonderful advice. And could we have another reading, please? Yeah, sure. So the next one I've chosen, Yvonne, is think like a journalist to get their attention. So I just have, I have a good few pointers. So I read some of them and we'll see how we go. So think like a journalist to get their attention. So to get the attention of a journalist, you need to try and think like one and to put yourself in their shoes. So please try to follow some of the following pointers below and it will help you to stand out from others who pitch. Okay, so tip number one is do not pitch on their deadline day because it will go straight to the, we actually won't get read. It mightn't even, it'll just sit in their inbox forever. And if you pitch on deadline day, it shows that you don't read the newspaper at all or you don't listen to their show and you're pitching them at their most craziest, busiest time. So don't pitch on deadline day unless you've just won $10 million or pounds and you're happy to talk about it and you're going to donate it all to, I don't know, (laughs) space travel or something crazy. Then, yeah, they're going to pick up the phone to that. But if you're just going to be sending in your press release, then no, sadly. Honestly, it's not going to get read. So find out when deadline day is. Now, I have lots of information about that here, but it's quite easy to find out. And focus on the, the lead in time. The journalist needs to do your story. This is super important. Often people send, like newsrooms now, I suppose, just, I'll just backtrack a little bit. Newsrooms now are getting smaller. And you need to give the journalist a lot more time to do your story. And especially if they have to find an angle, maybe interview you, maybe get some photographs taken. You're looking at a number of weeks to get this done. And if you're sending in a press release, and your launch is next week, you are not giving them enough time. You just are not giving them enough time to get it done. So try and work back at least three weeks for a local newspaper and at least five to six for a national. That would be my general advice. But once you get to know the newspapers better and magazines better, then you will kind of figure out more whether you need more time or less time. So read some of their work and mention something about their work in your pitch, even if it's just one line, that it could be a story you read last week. But please have read the story because I've had people who use this, have used this tactic with me and I know they haven't read the story from what they've written in their email. So read the story, just like quickly glance it. And if you're not done with the time to read the story, don't just reference the headline because You might not think a journalist will know, but they often do. Try to pitch early in the morning because that's when journalists mainly check their emails before their sub-editor, editor editor calls them in for all kinds of meetings. And there's lots of things happening in the afternoon. So try and get it in the morning if possible. Pitching on a quiet day is definitely the best to try and get their attention. Monday morning is one of the best days to pitch. I have found in my experience, others might say differently, but Monday to me is always very good. And try to have an interesting subject line. And for those beginning to do their own publicity, which I encourage everyone to try to do, try not to put in like, say something like press release, book launch, for example. Try to put something a little bit more interesting in there. And if you can't come up with something interesting, try and pitch it to the section that you want it to go into. Let's say if it's called the book section, let's say in your news, in the newspaper you're targeting, then put book section. So then the journalists see straight away they're looking for content for the book section in like two months time. They go, oh, I'm going to start that email. I'll read that email later on in the week. 
and it's already in their mind that you know where you want to pitch to and you've read the media outlet so you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. and then just in those two words they already have you starred I guess the one thing I really really one of my pet peeves and I have this in this list is don't put breaking news in your subject line because I used to get breaking news and it was the opening of an art exhibition and I this isn't breaking news does somebody die at the art exhibition and I'm reading it down and I'm like, no, nobody died or nobody was stabbed or because that's what a journalist thinks when they think of breaking news. They think of death, murder, car crash, fire, you know, bodies everywhere. So when they open it and you've absolutely caught their attention and then they read it and it's nothing like breaking news, it's actually kind of, and it's an instant delete unless it's amazing. Mm. And it's also they'll probably look at your name and go, yeah, I'm not crazy about that person. And you've started on a bad foot. You've just started on a bad note already. And then one other one is don't keep ringing about your press release. Your press release, just keep an eye on the the newspaper, magazine, blog, wherever you're sending it to. But do follow up. And if you want, and if we have time, Yvonne, I, I wouldn't mind reading the piece about to call or not to call. It's a very short piece. Let me just see. Yeah, sure, that would be great. Because amongst journalists and PR people, it's always a question, should I call or not call? And mm. so this is a major talking point among journalists. And when I worked as a journalist, I hated those calls that started with, it's a lovely day. What's the weather like there? I'm under pressure and this person wants to first distract me. And now we talk about the weather for 10 minutes. So this for me personally is not a good approach. And then there are the new BPR people who were assigned a list of calls to make on a press release and they needed to ask me and others, did you get my press release and are you featuring it? So depending on the time I had, I would go back and look for said press release in my email and I'd politely say, yes, I got it, but I don't have time to do anything with it right now. And if I'm going to do something, I will get back to you. Now, I didn't enjoy these calls and being cold called by people who didn't have a relationship with me or had even tried to build one at the very least, was very uncomfortable. And I won't continue on reading because there's quite a lot of it, but I know for journalists, they like to feel like you're building some kind of a relationship with them. But if you're going to constantly cold call and ask about, where's my press release? Where's my press release? It's just not a very good way to start because journalists are bombarded with press releases. And if you've pitched to a section and if you have an interesting subject line, Trust me, they have seen it and it's either of interest or it isn't. But what I always say is that there's a hell of a lot of rejection when you're doing your own publicity. And if somebody tells you that they can get you into the New York Times on your first go, well, I personally never say that to anyone because it's pretty difficult getting there any for even like major well-known people. So um, for me, it's a case of when you call a journalist to try and build a relationship on that call and to pick your calls wisely, if it's a press release that you really feel they need to read, if it's something that you know this journalist probably has missed, then lead with that in the call. Don't lead with, did you get my press release and are you going to feature it? Say, hi, John, you know, I'm, I'm just ringing in relation to something that I've sent you in. You may or may not have seen it and try and build a relationship as opposed to straight in there with, what are you doing with my press release? Because mm-hmm. they will have seen it and they will feature it if it's of relevance to them. 
that's really, really useful information. It's even down to whether or not you should call or when you should follow up and how you should follow up. But so, you know, with this podcast, I only get to ask you three questions. And that amuses me that I even say it that way, because I'm the one who set that rule. But um, <laughs> so this is my final question that I get to ask. And it's that you've been a journalist for over 17 years. And I'm curious about the, the process of the writing and the compiling of the tips and the guide. What is something that you might have learned about yourself or about the industry while you were writing, compiling the book? Wow. Um God, I could probably talk about it for hours, but I won't. I'll try and keep it very short. Um, when I started writing this book, I, I went right back to how my very first story. So, and when I wanted to be a journalist, I didn't know any journalists. I didn't even know, like my parents bought the weekly newspaper every week without fail. And I never really read it as such, but then... I started to get interested in like local, local kind of um, issues. And I was like, maybe I'll give this journalism. What is it? So then I, st- I tracked all the way back to my, my very first story was about a bakery that opened in my local town, small town in the West of Ireland. And um, I suppose this is to give, this might actually help people that are starting out. This was a tiny, tiny bakery. And I knew they were opening and I thought, maybe there's a story here. And now this is someone that I had no journalism training. This was before, this was to get into college. I needed three pieces to get into this course. So I thought, well, maybe we'll do a story on this bakery. So I walked in and I was completely honest with them. I said, look, I'd love to do a piece on you and I'll send it in to the local newspaper and they might take it or they might not. I have no idea what they're going to do with it. So they were a bit skeptical. They said, oh, maybe come back to us. We'll have a think about it. So I gave them a week. I came back and I said, well, what do you think? And they were like, well, we've never had any publicity. So and she's going to do it for free. So we might as well get her. So I sat down and interviewed them, put it together, and I sent it in to the local newspaper. And I pitched it for their lifestyle section. And I said, these two women were unemployed. Now they're going back, setting up their own business. And this is way back. Like this is, you know, you're talking 20 years ago or more now. So women starting their own businesses in the West of Ireland, it was pretty unusual. It's not unusual now, but it was back then. And he rang me and he says, yes, we're very interested in this story. And I was like, oh my God, like the editor of this newspaper has phoned me on a landline because I didn't have a mobile. And I was like, wow, this is, this is class. I love this. So he said, but you will need to make some changes. And I was like, all right. I, I, as I say, I didn't have any idea. So for those sending in press releases, just as a side note, it will get changed. So, you know, just be wary, you know, it might not appear in the way that you sent it in. And I've worked with people and they have looked front to back, front to back of the newspaper, looked online, did a search. And I said, well, maybe it's not, the same way you sent it in, they were looking for what they sent in, but the journalist had turned it into a story. So he was basically doing this with what I had sent in. He said, well, we need to change it around and we need to do this. And I learned so much from just that one piece with him. And then to cut a long story short, they started to get a little taste of publicity. And they were like, oh, maybe we'll send them in the odd photo. They used to do like, you know, these novelty cakes that you see everyone do now with like, yeah. you know, like photos on the top of the cake of the couple when they got married 50 years ago. So mm. when they had a couple celebrating 50 years of marriage and they did the photo on top, 
they actually sent in that image to this same editor. And they said, oh, would you be interested in this? Oh, my God, he loved it. And they got on the front page oh. presenting the cake to this couple who were 50 years married. And they were like, oh, my God, this is like, this is, you know. So it started to snowball out of something very, very small and something that started locally, which I encourage everybody to, to do first. Make your mistakes. Not make your mistakes. You might not make any. It could be brilliant, which is amazing. But try your hand at local newspapers first. Get to know them. And it's amazing what you will learn there in order to build and go forward to pitch for you know, Glamour Magazine or Cosmopolitan or wherever you want to go next. But for me, just watching their journey even now, like they've been on national television, they've been on national radio, and they're still pitching out and they're still like at Christmas, they always do lots of different slots in relation to cooking, you know, like different recipes for people with different dietary requirements. And it's their stories has snowballed and... You know, it's amazing what what can happen when you just have the courage to go for it. And they started locally with a tiny like piece with a photo. Bakery opening, you know, these two women were just going, no, we've always wanted to do this. We lost our jobs and it just spiraled out, out a little bit out of control for them because they were not <laughs> expecting it. But then they got a taste for it and they really nurtured five or six relationships with journalists not 50 60 500 600 five or six that's all you need you don't need 20 or 30 and you know how sometimes people blast out a press release to like 50 journalists half mm-hmm. of them won't even open it because it's of no relevance to them the other half might open it but then they're like no nah, this isn't of interest okay i don't see the story here you might get one or two that might get back to you but i'm not saying to blast because blasting is of absolutely no use pick five or six start to nurture them and it's amazing what can happen because what I often share with people is your local journalist and I worked locally for many many years before I moved to national journalism local journalists write stories for national publications they all do so if your story is a really good story they will pitch it into the national publication for you they will do the work for you if it's a good enough story. So it's always worth really nurturing the local relationships because it is super amazing what can happen there. A big long answer to your question. So sorry for that. No, that's wonderful. I've been taking notes and everything and I absolutely <laughs> love it. And um, I did keep it as make your mistakes locally because it um, <laughs> because I thought, you know what? I'm bound to make mistakes trying it out. And I think so many of us were, are, are bound to do it. But one thing about doing it locally seems like there may be a bit more, um, if I were to like make my local mistake, I feel like it's a small enough community where I can also apologize um, and always, I mean, granted, I would apologize anyway, but I could always make amends or try to make it right or at least, yeah. you know, perhaps get a second chance to say, you know, actually, I, I really blew that and, you know, here's something else. And if I get used to doing that locally, then as I go outside your of that community, I can yeah. do it. Exactly. And your confidence grows and... You know, oftentimes when people want to get publicity, they think of, I need to be in the Sunday Times. I'm bypassing all of these other places because they're of no interest to me. But, you know, oftentimes those readers of that section in the Sunday Times are not your reader. Mm-hmm. You know, your reader is the person who's reading your local newspaper or listening to a local podcast or reading a blog. You know, 
you got to really study where you need to be. And as I say, five, I, I say five to 10 in the book, but five to 10 journalists, your key people, because you're not going to be pitching these people every day. You might pitch them, you know, maybe three times a year, two times a year. And you're, you're not going to pitch in every goddamn thing that's happening in your business. You're going to choose wisely. Mm-hmm. And you go, yeah, we're going to go on a big publicity drive in May. So I might email the, my five to 10 journalists in advance to say, look, I'm launching something in May. You know, I really appreciate, you know, a couple of minutes of your time to maybe chat through some ideas, you know, and if you've built a relationship with them, they are open to that conversation. But if you're going to cold pitch them, well, they're not open to it because they don't know you and they don't know if you're going to deliver or not. Because oftentimes, and it's it's amazing when I used to see this, that people would say, yeah, Sandra, I'll have it back to you by three. And you never hear from them again. And that's one thing a journalist, you're off the list. Like if you can't come back by a deadline, because journalists work to deadlines. It's not a case of, oh, sure, it'll be okay if I send it to her tomorrow. No, because it's going. And even online, online publications, they have a deadline as well, even though it's an ongoing thing. But oftentimes, well, like the big publications, they have a deadline and the print, the issue is online and on print. They're not going to wait for you. And if they have to wait for you, even like five minutes past the time they want it, they're already pretty peeved because they're on a deadline. They're on a crazy, I mean, I have a chapter in the book called Inside the Newsroom. And I know anyone that has read it and come back to me with feedback, they're like, I never realized that you guys were under so much pressure all the time. And even now, like when I started, there was no social media. But now there's all kinds of things that journalists have to do, and as well as write a story and get it factually correct. So you really need to kind of just nurture a few key relationships and go from there. Wonderful. My advice, yeah. Could we have our final reading, please? Yeah, cool. Um, So this is the power of the follow-up or the follow-on. Oftentimes people send in a press release and they never, if it doesn't appear, they never follow up with something different or try a new angle on the same thing. They just let it sit there and get frustrated and just give out about media and not, not take any action. So I'll just read a little bit from this section about following up or following on. So when your release doesn't make it, my advice is to go and buy that newspaper, either in print or online, and do a breakdown of it. Look at the stories that made it and read them. Okay, so you didn't make it this time, but is there a story in there that you could have an angle to or a follow-up to? Can your story relate to a story that's already in there? It is common for people who are starting off to piggyback on other stories. And this is what we call reactive PR. It's one of the best ways to get publicity and to build a story around your business. So having members of your team or yourself recognize when you might have a follow-on piece to share that relates to another story is a skill that is so valuable and it is one that you can develop. So once you get going, you may find that another business starting out doing publicity may need to piggyback on your story. And if you can, elevate others and lift them up, because you never know how valuable media publicity is to another business until you are benefiting from it yourself. Editors in particular love follow-up stories, and readers do as well. 
Because readers always want to know, well, what happened next? What happened with that story? And editors want follow-ups as well, especially if they were the ones who broke the story initially. They don't want stories to be one-hit wonders. You could be that follow-up story that every journalist loves. Popular stories in particular are always good to have follow-ups to. And if you can fit your story into a follow-up piece, you stand a really good chance. My advice is to give yourself three tries at getting featured for one press release. So your follow-up emails should have something extra to add to the story. Therefore, you need to think at least four months in advance, and this is at the very minimum, especially if you're going to try three times to try and get featured. So following up on your story or following on from another can involve one or some of the following. Allow yourself time for anything a reporter might ask you to do or arrange, like can he or she interview the CEO? Can he, maybe he or she might be on holidays or you might be taking holidays during that time? A reporter might want to take a different angle on the story and you need to ask yourself, are you happy with that? You may need time to think about it and to discuss it with your colleagues. A journalist may want to get some photos taken with a photographer. Who do you want to be in those photos and where do you want them taken? A journalist might say that he or she is interested in the story and wants to do an interview, but won't be able to do it for two weeks as their schedule is jam-packed. So are you going to be available then? But if you are sending in a piece for consideration and then following up or following on, you need to be available during that period. Don't tell the journalist that you are not ready to go just yet and they can call you back. You need to be ready to do interviews from the moment you press send on your press release. A journalist may want you to go away and get more information, which can take a lot of time. And the piece you sent in may be similar to a piece that they ran previously, but they may still be interested and they will need to find a different angle. So I have a pro tip maybe that I will share Actually, maybe I'll read this one. Sorry, Yvonne, change, slight change of plan. <laughs> um, it's called Journalists Are Human Too. I worked as a senior court reporter and covered some very gruesome stories and ones that I, that I still can't even think about now. I also covered inquests, and these can also be really tough to listen to and write about. I knew back then that the last thing I wanted to see after a full day in court is a press release, a business pitching me something, a call about another press release, or another email asking me why I haven't got back about their press release. I've had a tough day. My head is fried. I covered courts towards the end of the week. So mostly if the press release was sent in to me earlier in the week, the chances are I would have been more amenable to reading it and thereby deciding on whether or not I was going to cover it. By sending it in on a day when I'm at court all day, you are most likely not to grab my attention, at least not straight away. You need to remember that journalists are human too. They are just as likely to be affected by a gruesome court story or inquest just the way you would be. But they have to put their feelings aside and write a story that is balanced, a feat that isn't always easy. And even seasoned journalists can find this very difficult at times. Journalists, you must remember, hear the most crazy, shocking things. I've covered horrific court cases and it takes a bit of time afterwards to get your head around all of it and write the story. So try to keep this in mind, especially if you're pitching a reporter that does cover courts and try to make the information you sent in as easy to digest as possible. Wonderful tips. So can I ask, so I'm not calling this a question because I can only ask three questions. 
But where can we find or buy Breaking Into the Media, A Journalist's Guide to Publicity? You can find it on Amazon. Amazon would be, I would love if people who do buy the book come back and leave me a review would be absolutely amazing. But yeah, it's on all the amazons.com.co.uk.es, everywhere. It's all over Amazon. You'll find it in there. So uh, yeah, please go buy it and please leave a review. Um, Please. Wonderful. Sandra, thank you so much for being our guest. Oh, thank you for having me, Ron. It's been a treat and I really appreciate all the tips that you've given us for reading to us and giving us tips in between. Absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Thank you.